Chapter Eight of Life in the Sick Room Essays by an Invalid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life in the Sick Room Essays by an Invalid by Harriet Martineau. Chapter Eight power of ideas in the sick room turn you to the stronghold ye prisoners of hope zachariah wherefore for virtue's sake i can be well content the sweetest time in all my life to deem in thinking spent lord vox it is amusing in a somewhat mournful way however to sick people to observe how children and other inexperienced persons believe notwithstanding all explanation and assurance that it must be a very pleasant thing to be ill gently ill so as not to be groaning with pain or confined to bed they derive an impression of comfort and luxury from what they see which it is impossible to weaken by descriptions of suffering which they have never felt and cannot conceive of they see the warm room in winter with its well-cushioned couch and think how comfortable it must be never to have the toes frozen or a shower of sleet driven in one's face the fire in the chamber all night the flowers and books that lie strewed about all day the pictures on the walls the dainty meals the punctual and careful attendance these are things which make illness look extremely pleasant to the healthiest people who are those that have the keenest relish for pleasure few of such are there who have that insight of sympathy which drew from my little friend at my elbow the sighing exclamation ah but there is the unhealthiness that spoils everything even if the ordinary run of inexperienced persons could see the whole of our day i should not expect them to understand the matter much better if they saw us turn from the dainty meal and wear a look of distress and fear in the midst of everything that to them indicates comfort and security i imagine they could only wonder till they knew for themselves how bodily distress excludes pleasure from outward objects and how the mental weakness which prevail amidst an unnatural and difficult mode of life convert the most innocent and ordinary occurrences into occasions of apprehension or of self-distrust or self-disgust if they must witness the painful and humbling aspect of the mode of life it is much to be wished that they might also see another fact belonging to it to them perhaps no less mysterious than the misery but not the less salutary for that as it may teach them that there is much both of good and evil in our condition which it will be wiser in them to observe than to judge of the benign mystery which i would have them witness is the power of ideas over us a child knows something of this in his own way in war time little boys leave their pet plays to run about and tell everybody the news of a great battle a child cannot eat the best dinner in the world on the day of first going to the play the doll is thrown into a corner when news comes of any acquaintance being burnt out in the middle of the night 
or when anecdotes are telling of any old martyr who suffered heroically in their own way children are conscious when reminded of the power of ideas but they cannot conceive of our way of experiencing the same force to us so renovating if it is at times surprising to the most enlightened and sympathizing of our companions it may well be astonishing to those in the early stages of observation they see with a sort of awe how priceless are certain pictures to us in comparison with all others they hear us speak of the landscapes the portraits the graceful and beautiful images which adorn the walls but they observe how when restless and distressed we steal a glance upwards at one picture and find something there which seems to set us right to rally us at once if such a picture as the christus consolator of schaefer be within view of the sick couch that talisman including the consolations of eighteen centuries that mysterious assemblage of the redeemed captives and tranquilized mourners of a whole christendom that inspired epitome of suffering and solace it may well be a cause of wonder almost amounting to alarm to those who not having needed have never felt its power if there were now burnings or drownings for sorcery that picture and some who possess it would soon be in the fire or at the bottom of a pond no mute operation of witchcraft or its dread could exceed the silent power of that picture over sufferers again if the inexperienced chance to see us in an unfavorable hour when our self-control cannot rise beyond constraint when our words are fewest however gentle the voice when our posture is rigid because we will not be restless and our faces tell the distress we think we are concealing if at such a time the post comes in how miraculous must seem the change to one who does not know what we have just read in letters or newspapers and perhaps could not understand its efficacy if he had seen he sees us start up on the couch hears us become voluble and talk in a free and joyous tone beholds us eat and drink without thinking what is put before us perhaps is surprised at a flow of tears which seems to dissolve the misery whatever it was and finds to his amazement that all this is caused by something to him so dry as the appointment of a committee in the house a speech on some hustings an improved quarter's revenue or perhaps something not dry but merely curious and to him anything but moving a new appearance attending an eclipse an arrangement for embanking the nile or cutting through the isthmus of panama or some vast discovery in science or the arts he may again see the relaxation yet more complete may perceive without a word being spoken that we are well for the hour the eye swimming in happiness the voice full of gentle joy so that he is convinced that illness does not spoil everything in this case some comfort has come too sacred to be told at least then some news or appeal from the primary christians and confessors of our day the american abolitionists 
some opening to us for doing some little service or as not seldom happens some word of true sympathy which rouses our spirit as the trumpet stirs the war-horse some sudden light showing our position on our pilgrim path some hint of our high calling some apt warming of a pregnant truth administered by a wise and loving comforter if i were asked whether there is any one idea more potential than any other over every sort of suffering in a mode of life like ours most hearers of the question would make haste to answer for me that there is such a variety of potential ideas suited to such wide differences of mood of mind and body that it must be impossible to measure the strength of any one nevertheless i should reply that there is one to me more powerful at present than i can now conceive any single idea to have been in any former states of my mind it is this that it matters infinitely less what we do than what we are i can conceive the amazement of many at this announcement of many even who admit its truth and feelingly admit it as i myself did when it was first brought home to me from the printed page of one friend by the heart-breathing voice of another i care not who wonders and who only half understands while there are some few to whom this thought may be what it is to me no one will be so short-sighted as to apply it as an excuse for indolence in the active and healthy so clear is it that such cannot be what they ought to be unless they do all they can but perhaps it is only the practised in human sorrows who can see far enough into the boundless truth of this thought to appreciate its worth to us suffice it here that it has the power i ascribe to it and that we whom it has consoled long to administer it when we see old age restless in its infirmity actively disappointed of its scope or instruments or the most useful agents of society the most indispensable members of families paralyzed by disease we long to whisper it in the dungeons of spielberg where it opens a career within the narrowest recess of those thick walls we long to send a missive to every couch of the sick to every armchair of the aged and the blind reminding them that the great work of life is ours still through all modes of life but that of the madhouse the formation of a heavenly soul within us if we cannot pursue a trade or a science or keep house or help the state or write books or earn our own bread or that of others we can do the work to which all of this is only subsidiary we can cherish a sweet and holy temper we can vindicate the supremacy of mind over body we can in defiance of our liabilities minister pleasure and hope to the gayest who come prepared to receive pain from the spectacle of our pain we can here as well as in heaven's courts hereafter reveal the angel growing into its immortal aspect which is the highest achievement we could propose to ourselves or that grace from above could propose to us if we had a free choice of all possible conditions of human life 
if any doubt the worth of the thought from the common habit of overlooking the importance of what is done in its character of index of what the agent is let him resort at once to the fountainhead of spiritual exemplification and say whether it matters most what christ was or what he did the worth of this particular thought is a separate consideration from that of the worth of any sound abstract idea to sufferers liable to a besetting personal recollection or doubt or care but before i speak of this i must allude to a subject which causes inexpressible pain whenever it occurs to us sick prisoners i have said how unavailing is luxury when the body is distressed and the spirit faint at such times and at all times we cannot but be deeply grieved at the conception of the converse of our own state at the thought of the multitude of poor suffering under privation without the support and solace of great ideas it is sad enough to think of them on a winter's night aching with cold in every limb and sunk as low as we in nerve and spirits from their want of sufficient food but this thought is supportable in cases where we may fairly hope that the greatest ideas are cheering them as we are cheered that there is a mere set-off of their cold and hunger against our disease and that we alike inspired by spiritual vigour in the belief that our father is with us that we are only encountering the probations of our pilgrimage that we have a divine work given us to carry out now in pain and now in joy there is comfort in the midst of the sadness and shame when we are thinking of the poor who can reflect and pray of the old woman who was once a punctual and eager attendant at church of the wasting child who was formerly a sunday scholar of the reduced gentleman or destitute student who retain the privilege of their humanity of looking before and after but there is no mitigation of the horror when we think of the savage poor who form so large a proportion of the hungerers when we conceive of them suffering the privation of all good things at once suffering under the aching cold the sinking hunger the shivering nakedness without the respite or solace afforded by one inspiring or beguiling idea i will not dwell on the reflection a glimpse into this hell ought to suffice though we to whom imagery comes unbidden and cannot be banished at will have to bear much more than occasional glimpses a glimpse ought to suffice to set all to work to procure for every one of these sufferers bread and warmth if possible and as soon as possible but above everything and without the loss of an hour an entrance upon their spiritual birthright every man and every woman however wise and tender appearing and designing to be who for an hour helps to keep closed the entrance to the region of ideas who stands between sufferers and great thoughts which are the angels of consolation sent by god to all to whom he has given souls are in so far ministers of hell not themselves inflicting torment but intercepting the influences which would assuage or overpower it 
let the plea be heard of us sufferers who know well the power of ideas our plea for the poor that while we are contriving for all to be fed and cherished by food and fire we may meanwhile kindle the immortal vitality within them and give them that ethereal solace and sustenance which was meant to be shared by all without money and without price it seems but just if we may venture so to speak that there should be the renovating power in ideas that i have described for our worst sufferings arise from an unmitigated power of ideas in another sort i am not qualified by experience to speak of severe continued bodily torment but all testimony seems to concur with all our experience that there is no such instrument of torture as a besetting thought the mere description of the suffering given by those who know it seems to have wrought upon the general mind for a kind of shudder goes round when it is mentioned though it can no more be conceived of by the gay and occupied than the continual dropping of water on the head can be imagined by him whose transactions with the element consist in a plunge bath every morning it is known however that herculean men have shrunk to shadows under the infliction that it has reduced heroes to tremble at the whispering wind or the striking of the clock that it turns the raven-haired grey lets down genius into idiocy and starves the most vigorous life into an atrophy how then are the sick to meet this woe which comes upon them with force exactly proportioned to their weakness if every sick prisoner in our land were questioned and could and would answer truly i believe all would reply all who have minds that their worst pangs are in their soul for the moment for the hour no agony is i know to be compared with some pains of body but when the question is of months and years including the seasons of delicious reaction from bodily pains i am confident that the peculiar misery of our condition subjection to a besetting thought will be owned to absorb all others whether thought relate to any intellectual matter or whether it be self-abasement and self-weariness at the perpetually recurring apparition of sins follies trifling old misadventures and misbehavior or whether some more serious cause of remorse the tormenting and weakening effects are much alike the cold horror at waking up to the thought in the middle of the night knowing that we shall sleep no more the misery of opening our eyes upon a new day with the spell of the thought full upon us the dread of giving ourselves up to thinking and yet the inability to read while the enemy is hovering about the page the faint resolution broken almost as surely as formed not to speak of this trouble to our nearest and closest friend and the ending in speaking of it in our agony to many besides oh there is no aching no shooting or throbbing pain of fibre or nerve that can taken with its alternations compare in misery with this even the anticipation becomes in time the worst though the bodily pain is known to be real and unavoidable while the ideal one is clearly seen to be baseless or enormously exaggerated 
the close observer of a sick sufferer may see the drops stand on the forehead and the quiver pass over the lip at the bare thought of the certain return of a periodical pain but worse to endure is the sickening of the soul at the certainty that at such an hour we shall be under the spiritual domination of a haunting demon the foe as foolish as cruel whom we defy now with our reason but then shall succumb to it in every faculty here is an ordeal for the proud and yet it is not less fearful to the humble for the humble can no more dispense with self-respect than the proud some may wonder at such a history of an unknown trouble some who when anything harass them mount a horse and gallop over the sea sands or the race-course or visit their friends or the theatre or resort to music or romp with children let them remember that we cannot do these things that the very weakness which subject us to these troubles forbids our escape from them we know as well as they that if once we could feel the open air upon our brows our feet on the grass our bodies in exercise and vigour all would be well with us but as we cannot use these remedies the knowledge is of no immediate avail if we can get to the window and look abroad that is well as far as it goes but we are most subject to our tyrant in the night and in midwinter at times when we cannot look abroad and it may even happen too that the tyrant dims the sun at noonday and blots out the landscape or renders us blind to it what then is to be done we evade the misery when we can by stirring books the most objective that can be had or by seeing what we can see of the world by the telescope or resorting to some sweet familiar spring of poetry but this last expedient is impaired by the fear of mixing painful associations with pleasures too sacred and dear to be endangered or we defy the foe in reckless anguish or we endure in silent patience but there is something far better to be done not always but still not seldom we can turn the forces of ideas against themselves meet them with their own weapons we can call in the power of an idea to overcome the tyranny of another idea and then we come off conquerors with a soul-felt joy it is a joy to recur in memory or imagination to any moral conflict past or possible in which all our faculties are needed and wherein that force is at least conceived to be employed which must otherwise corrode us but if any such enterprise actually presents itself confronts us at the moment how great is the blessing it may bring toil and difficulty to ourselves and doubt and blame from others but if it be clear to ourselves how keen is the sense of life it gives at some seasons though it may overpower our weakness at others it seems hard when we are feeble and suffering to have irksome labour to do to have to oppose the wishes and feelings of some whom we love and to arouse argument when our longing is for unbroken and lasting rest but if our duty be but clear to ourselves or for the most part clear with doubts only in our most sickly hours 
what a new position we find ourselves in permitted once more to take the offensive side against evil in alternation with a weary perpetual defensive posture happy they who have been brought up in allegiance to duty more or less strict and happiest they whose loyalty has been the strictest in the hour of nature's feebleness and apparent decay they find themselves under the eye and hand of the physician of souls who has for them a cordial of heavenly virtue of heavenly virtue for them but of no virtue to such as have let their moral nature take its chance and who in their hour of extreme need are no more capable of spiritual enterprise than of a bodily flight beyond the precincts of their pain they must languish in self-corrosion while they who happily find how duty gives power to the faint mount up with wings as eagles with every emergency of singular or unpopular moral action every occasion for saying with courage a true word or advocating a neglected cause with every opportunity in short of spiritual enterprise they soar afresh and their eyes kindle anew in the light of life but this kind of solace could not be nor any effectual kind but for the power of the master idea of our life but for him who stirreth up the nest and whose spirit taketh and beareth them up sunwards on her wings the flights of these eagle spirits would utterly fail but for the ideas inspired by faith there could be no enterprise no true solace no endurance but of the low merely submissive kind great is the power of all thought congenial with our nature over disease of the body and morbid tendencies of the mind but those which connect us with the maker of our frame and the ordainer of our lot are absolutely omnipotent oh let the speculative observer of human nature consider well and observe that human nature to its extremest limits before he pronounces that our spirits are not created filial let him ponder well the universal aspiration towards a spiritually discerned parent before he declares the affection a mere venerable superstition let him feel in health and full action or if he feels it not let him detect in others the pausing horror of a sense of orphanhood beneath which the moral universe falls in pieces under the hands of its myriad builders let him see in the sick chamber where the outward and inward world seemed alike to the sufferer to be crumbling asunder how irresistible is the conviction of an upholding power new modelling all decaying things and imbuing them with immortality if he himself can but learn what protracted sickness is let him ponder well whether a superstition however early and solemnly conveyed and cherished could stand the stress not merely of pain but of the questionings prompted by pain let him say if it can be anything but truth absolute congeniality with our souls which can give such all-conquering power to the idea of our filial relation to the ruler of all things no one will venture to say how this power is enhanced by the earliest associations 
no one will presume to declare precisely how happy above others are they now sufferers whose infant speech was practised in prayer at a mother's knee and who can now forget the dreariness of the night and the weight of the day in listening for the echoes of old psalmody and reviving snatches of youthful hymns and religious reverie no one will dare to say how far the sweet call to the weary and heavy laden is endeared by the voice of the shepherd having gone before us over all the hills and vales of our life but the true philosopher must as it seems to me be assured that the power of these spiritual appeals would ooze away in proportion as our faculties are weakened by disease if they had not in them the divine force of truth to urge them home see what this force is in comparison with others that are tendered for our solace one and another and another of our friends comes to us with an earnest pressing upon us of the hope of relief that talisman which looks so well till its virtues are tried they tell us of renewed health and activity of what it will be to enjoy ease again to be useful again to shake off our troubles and be as we once were we sigh and say it may be so but they see that we are neither roused nor soothed by it then one speaks differently tells us we shall never be better that we shall continue for long years as we are or shall sink into deeper disease and death adding that pain and disturbance and death are indissolubly linked with the indestructible life of the soul and supposing that we are willing to be conducted on this eternal course by him whose thoughts and ways are not as ours but whose tenderness then how we burst in and take up the word what have we not to say from the abundance of our hearts of that benignity that transcendent wisdom our willingness our eagerness our sweet security until we are silenced by our unutterable joy whence this imbecility of the hope of relief whence this power of the idea of god our father do we know of anything stronger and higher than ideas in the strongest and highest even an omnipotent and infinite idea if we have not truth what is truth End of chapter 8